Dave, welcome back. It's nice to be back. You've done the place up a bit, haven't you? I was going to say, what's changed? I mean, it must be about ten years since since you were in the bosom of Absolute Radio. I've, I yeah. feel like it has been tarted somewhat. There's, there's a lot more purple. <laughs> going on. I mean, there's all, there was always a bit of purple. There was always a bit of purple, uh, but there was a lot of black, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a bit less wood panelling. <laughs> Yeah. It's nice. It's very nice. When you, I mean, you are the master of of, of touring. You you must go back to venues. Do you ever sort of go back to a place and think, oh, they've done a lot to the dressing rooms here. This is nicer. No, they've never ever <laughs> done anything to the dressing rooms. <laughs> Any money in a theatre is spent on the bits that the public see. <laughs> the bits that we see are the grottiest, <laughs> most unpleasant. Like, just gen- even in, like, the nicest West End theatres where you think, oh, that'll be nice. <laughs> it's never nice. <laughs> I did one. I, was, I can't remember which of the venues it is in Manchester. There was one, uh, and I this really big dressing room, uh, and they said, oh, I'm really sorry about the, the, the dressing room. And I walked in, and it was much nicer than normal. It was quite plush, it was quite comfy. And it was sort of like a two-room suite. It was like a, basically a living room and a bathroom. And I went, oh, yeah. it used to have a, a jacuzzi, <laughs> but we had Julie Goodyear in here once for, for Panto. <laughs> and she insisted on having the jacuzzi ripped out because she said they're filthy. So Bet Lynch, wow. Julie Goodyear, wow. doing Panto, had enough weight behind her to go, I'm here for three months, remove the jacuzzi. Well, such was the power of Bet Lynch yeah. when Corrie was at its height. Absolutely. And I'd have to back her up. I, yeah. I googled once some of the uh, the diseases that are in hot tubs and all that kind of thing. It's not really a, it's not a good Google. Well, it, it might be true, but it also, I think what's cheaper than get rid of that jacuzzi is empty that jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn on that jacuzzi. <laughs> Just run some bath water and let that bath water out when you're finished, Julie. <laughs> Not rip it out. It costs £20,000 to put in or whatever. <laughs> Don't need to take it all out. It's a good point. Um, new tour starting next month. Uh, yeah. if, I've, if I've read this properly, you're, you're extending it by 37 dates before it's even started. Um, you are the master of PowerPoint, but, but maybe not of spreadsheets and planning then. Um, no, that's or true. Or is this the success, basically, what we're dealing yeah, with here? Yeah, so basically, I think... Well, lo- lovely problem to have. There's been, you know, a few years of chaos. And yeah. it's been difficult, and venues were all closed. And, and even when we first went out and said, right, I've got a new idea for a show, I know what I want to do, let's see if we can get some venues and put a tour on, a lot of the venues that I would normally play in a tour weren't available. They, they were saying they wanted it, they were really keen, but we just couldn't make the dates work because they were still scheduling in people had cancelled two and a half mm. years ago. So there's this weird sort of backlog in the system. And normally tours are put on sale about a year in advance these days. And that's already a bit crazy, but that's because that's the best way of getting the venues mm. to work with you. So that was already not working. So we, we put on what we could for this autumn Uh and even then there was a bit of tentative, do you think it's going to work? Are people ready to go back? Are they going to buy tickets? Is this a sensible thing to do or not? So we put on what we could make happen this autumn and it turns out people are ready to go back and people are buying tickets and a lot of them are selling and a lot of the venues who were initially wanting them in the autumn are going, are you going to do more? <laughs> Can you do some more? And, and two or three of the venues that we are doing this autumn are going, we've only got a handful left. Can we do another show? So 
absolutely i can have my arm twisted <laughs> to to make a living uh so yeah i'm up for it and we're yeah next year we've got another 30 odd dates i was gonna say days. when does an autumn tour become a winter tour become a spring tour because that is now a long old run isn't it yeah it is it's partly because i um like my my child is six i've got a six-year-old boy at home the last time i toured he was three and he doesn't remember that happening mm. uh and normally, before him, when I would go on tour, I would try and do sort of 50 shows in 55 nights. I'd, I want to just keep going. I want to get on the horse and stay on the horse mm. and just keep doing shows as often as I can. And now I don't want to do that because I want to go home and see him. I don't want to go away for two weeks. That would be too much. So we're, we're trying to schedule it in three or four at a time so I get home for three or four days in between. Yeah. And, and continue to actually have a family because I, <laughs> yes. I, I don't want him to also forget that I exist I've got to go and remind him play table football with him and have, have some fun so it is also spread out over a longer time so the we're on tour September to November this year and then February to June next then March to June next year Congratulations on getting a six-year-old to play table football. How is he going with the non-spinning rule? <laughs> he's alright with non-spinning he's good if anything he tells mummy off for spinning Right so he's got to that point where he's now refing the game against him. How do you sort of like handicap a match then to, to, to make it a, a competition between yourself and a six-year-old? Uh, the way we do it is by having... Waiting the players? Uh, no. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, in a way. Uh, we, we have my wife play on my team. And she's <laughs> such an appalling goalkeeper <laughs> that he will beat us. If I play against him, I, I am capable of making it close... And having, you know, choosing to rest up a little bit. Yeah, play the ball out from the back. It'll always be 10-9 if it's me against him. If I play him with my wife as the goalkeeper (laughs) and defence, then basically he'll beat us anyway. So I don't have to do anything. (laughs) So this will be the first tour since PowerPoint remotes got used in front of all of us during the the pandemic. Yeah. Obviously the content of that was 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 rather serious, but at, at times with the clunky next slide please, did you despair being the master of PowerPoint? It was weird because just for your own timing, <laughs> why can't you be given the remote? It's such a basic question. Why could they not be trusted to do it? <laughs> Even in a in a corporate environment, what they tend to do um, I only discovered this a little while ago. Um, if you go to a big sales conference of a big company and the chief executive is doing a keynote speech with a PowerPoint presentation or whatever, it turns out when he presses the button, he's not really moving the slide on. He's turning a little red light on backstage and somebody else presses the space bar and that's how they do it. <laughs> For me, that would not work. I'm, I've got a timing 800 slides around yeah. some jokes, right? So I need to be in control of the timing precisely. But even to have just given them that, even to have given Chris Whitty a remote control that he could press, <laughs> that somebody else could go, all right, yeah, and move it on, instead of making them constantly say, next, next slide, please. <laughs> they, that pandemic did a lot of wrong, but I think, from my point of view, the fact that it has besmirched the reputation of the PowerPoint I love is probably its greatest deal. Which is why you've I'm had to... I'm not overstating things. <laughs> Which is why you've had to swell the tour to, to bring bring the reputation yeah, back. Yeah. You're, you're very... You, when you talk about it like, like that, an 800 slides one night, you also have to be very trusting of the tech. I, I, I do, but I've worked with it a lot. 
and I'm capable of you know making a mistake and working around it and things because I'm the one person who knows how it's meant to be and if it doesn't come out exactly as I want it to be the audience don't know that and I'll make up for it and I've also I think the very first time I used a computer on stage to do anything like this I had seen other people using computers on stage to do other things like you know play a little video they'd made or, or whatever and I'd never ever seen it go well and I thought the reason that it doesn't go well is they're using their own home laptop that they do all of their other stuff on. Yeah. And computers get clunky and they slow down. And if you, so the very first thing I did when I thought I'm gonna, I need to put this on on a computer to put it on a projector. I thought I'll buy a computer, and I won't let it go on the internet. And it's I've basically got like the the ugly member of the royal family who's kept in the tower. I've got a computer that doesn't know the internet exists. I build it on on my home computer, and then I put it on a on a, a little dongle, and I put it into my stage computer, and it has only ever run PowerPoint. No other software has ever run on that computer. It's only ever had one job, and it, they last forever. I'm on my second one. I this had is one incredible. That I Twenty years ago, that lasted me for about fifteen years, and I bought I bought two more to replace it. So I have one in the dressing room and one on stage. If anything goes wrong on stage, seriously wrong, we can just bring another computer and plug it in. And go. So there is a a, a reserve. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I did after the first one went wrong one night on stage, and the way it went wrong, I was in Brighton. I was doing a warm-up show, so I was kind of early in a tour. I hadn't really learnt it yet, and and often early in the process, I'm having a sneaky look at the screen to remind me of where I am. When I get into it, I don't need to look. Mm. I just know what's going on. But at that point, I needed it, and the computer broke. So what was happening was it was just actually the screen on my computer broke. It was still sending the image to the projector. So the screen up there was fine, but the screen on the laptop went black. And especially I do these things called found poems, which actually I originated in this room right here. That's where the very first found poem happened. Fantastic. I used to do it on the Sunday morning show on Absolute. Uh, But I do those on the show. And when I'm doing that, the laptop is my auto cue. Yeah. And suddenly I was doing one of those without any auto cue, and I'd only done it maybe five times before, and I was still learning it. And it was a real test of my memory. It turns out I got more of it lodged in there than I thought. And the next morning I went out and bought two new computers, which I've been using ever since. Awesome. Awesome. Um, cryptic crosswords as, as well is, is, is something you're, um, you're, you're breaking into uh, as, as well. Is, is this... Is the tour basically getting you in... Is the tour getting in the way of you being the next Countdown host? Uh, no, it's not. Colin Murray is the, <laughs> is the perfect new Countdown host. I'm very delighted for him. Um, I, I do love Countdown and I love a cryptic crossword. I've, it came out of lockdown. Mm. I'd always done them and I'd always... If I travel, I travel a lot and, and always would have a newspaper under my arm and on a train journey, that's how I would pass the time. Um, and... When lockdown happened, I'd just finished a tour, I was fine for a few months, and then I started getting a bit twitchy. I was meant to be having a break, it just wasn't meant to be three years long. <laughs> and after about six months, I was like, what do I do? Mm. Well, like, my head's full of things, and I've got nowhere to put them, and I've started talking to my six-year-old like he's an audience. <laughs> this is not on. I need to rescue myself. I need to give myself something to do. And I thought, well, I've always liked doing them. I'll see if I can write one, yeah. cryptic crossword. So I did... And then having written one, I went, oh, that's weird. What do I do with that now? It's sort of, 
I used to do this when I was 19 years old as a student. I used to write ideas for stand up in a notepad and yeah. not intend to perform it. <laughs> and comedy of all art forms does not exist until it's been put in front of an audience. Yeah. Right? As an 18 year old student, you can go, Yeah, I'll play a bit of guitar in my bedroom. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. No one's no one's going to worry about why aren't you going out and on stage and doing it. But yeah, right, bit of stand up <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. Like, unless that's performed, it's not stand up. Yeah. And I sort of had that sort of feeling with the cryptic crossword. I'd, I'd written one. I went, well, that's not a cryptic crossword until someone tries to solve it. <laughs> and I don't know enough people. None of my friends, my family aren't. And the six year old can't do that. No, he's not into it. So I, I tweeted it, and one of the people who saw it is the crossword editor from The Independent who wrote back saying, there's some really good clues in there. It's a terrible grid. <laughs> um, and I wrote back saying, if I did one that was a good grid, would you be interested? And he was like, yeah, OK. So I, I did one. But before I did one that I hoped he would publish, I was like, I don't want to be this a, a kind of bucket list box ticking. I did one. Yeah. I've had a published crossword. And now that's over. I was like, if I do one... I want to see if I can become a crossword setter yeah. properly. So I sent him three and said, Look, I'm only interested if you kind of want to do more. I don't yeah. want to just you know, get a little pat on the back for having done one. And he's like, yeah, fine. So I've been doing them ever since, and I now do about twice a month in The Independent, once every two months in The Guardian, and once a month in The Telegraph. And you enjoy doing it. I love doing it. It keeps me very happy. And I, I now, I intend when I'm on tour, I figure there's a lot of weird spare time backstage and in hotel rooms where you, you can't go anywhere. You haven't got time to do anything. There's no jacuzzis. You've, yeah, the jacuzzi's been ripped out. <laughs> My, so I figure I'm going to take a little laptop and I'll work on, on a crossword <laughs> before I walk on stage. <laughs> Give me something to do. Dave, there is so much for people to catch up on uh, in this tour. Uh, Dave Gorman, PowerPoint to the people. Uh, DaveGorman.com, best place to go. Absolutely. I mean, not just for tickets. I mean, it's just always the best place to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for crosswords and tickets. Uh, and those tickets are on sale today. This is fresh news. Yeah, out today, the extension. The the Autumn Tour's been on sale for a while, uh, and there's definitely still some tickets for that, but there's a whole load of new dates that have gone on sale today. Dave, it's been great to have you back in. We're, we're delighted you, you're pleased with what we've done with the place. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, is that why I got cut? You needed the money to paint? <laughs> is that what happened? Uh, on that awkward note, <laughs> it's great to see you. My pleasure.